It was nearly 11 p.m. on a hot August night in Mississippi when a passing truck driver noticed a vehicle on fire at the edge of the Strong River. He called 911, and law enforcement and firefighters raced to the scene. There, they found a truck engulfed in flames. When the fire was extinguished, they didn't find anyone inside, but what they saw told them this was not merely a vehicle fire. The driver's side door was riddled with bullet holes. It was obviously arson, but one question was on everyone's mind. Was it also a murder? Hello, fellow sleuths. I'm Kathy Briggs. And I'm Michael Briggs. We want to welcome you to this episode of a Southern Sleuth podcast. episodes are special but this one's extra special because I have had some contact with a family member of the victim and they were able to share a lot of information about the case with me and without them this would not be a full episode. I do hope that through this episode some attention is brought to this 10 year old case and hopefully it will be solved. Yes it's been really neat watching you connect with the uh, family and um get information and it seemed to be a real good connection there our story today takes place mostly in mendenhall mississippi in 2009 mendenhall is the county seat of simpson county it's another small southern town and i am from a small southern north carolina town my love for little towns like that runs deep and That's probably why I like to cover crimes in small towns like Mendenhall. And I haven't been to Mississippi, but I figure most southern towns have a lot of similarities. Well, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is, I guess it's a large town now. It was probably a medium to large-sized city when I grew up there. And uh, I can say there's definitely nobody like you, baby. (laughs) You're a fancy-pants city boy. But that's okay. We love you anyway. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get back to the site of this burning vehicle. Once they put out the flames, the investigators were able to make out the license plate. And that information led them to the name of the truck's owner, who was Willie Flint Lee of Simpson County, Mississippi. So they were investigating a little bit about this truck. But then early the next morning, which would have been August 4th, the brother of Mr. Lee came into the Simpson County Sheriff's Office to report him missing. And this turned it into a whole different case. So the Sheriff's Office immediately goes into search mode. Um, They are searching the Strong River. They've got search dogs brought in. They're on boats. And the family couldn't really do anything but pray that they found him safe. By the afternoon, all hopes of that happy ending were dashed, though, when they did find a body, and it was located in the river under a bridge on Everett Church Road. 
Willie Flintley was pronounced dead by the coroner at 3.12 p.m. Willie Lee, who went by Flint, was well-known and well-liked from all reports that I came across. At the time of his death, he was married to his second wife, Gail. He had had a son and two daughters from previous relationships. He was a hard-working chicken farmer. And he was also a very active member of the Puckett Volunteer Fire Department. He was involved in community. He was known to play Santa for the community Christmas tree lighting. It just seemed like he was a great guy that loved serving others. It's hard to imagine that something like that could happen to just a regular guy that was involved with the community like that. So the body was recovered from the river and sent to the state medical examiner's office for the autopsy. And it was determined that Flint died from a gunshot to the torso. The murder weapon was searched for extensively in the river and all around, but was never recovered. And they have never released any info regarding the caliber of the weapon that was used. Simpson County Sheriff Kenneth Lewis and his deputies were searching down leads and questioning friends and family, and they were being assisted by Rankin County Sheriff's Office and the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. The family was obviously distraught and could not figure out why anyone would murder Flint, and I don't believe the investigators could figure it out either. They, they couldn't understand why he was targeted. But they did know that... Due to finding a blood trail, they knew he had been thrown from the railing of the bridge above where he was found. And, but that, they knew that wasn't the actual murder site. Their investigation took them to his chicken farm. And clues there led him, led them to realize that he was shot while sitting in his truck. It's their belief that he never got out of the truck. And then they think that his body was taken to that bridge on Everett's Church Road and thrown over. And he was found just under that. Right. And then they they don't believe the truck was actually set on fire until the night of the next day. So they had a whole day in there where... That's where I'm getting confused. They had the truck... But Flint's wife has stated that her mother and sister saw Flint's truck pass the home that she and Flint shared earlier in the same day that the truck was burned. So I wonder whoever did this was, I guess, driving around in his truck. That that seems really yeah. brazen for such a small area. Well, and then the other thing I was thinking about when talking about him being shot at the chicken farm is I imagine these these places are extremely isolated and away from it would seem like it would opt to be almost absolutely somebody that knew him because it's just hard to imagine you know a robber's just going to be out in that part period much less you know um able to know I mean what's the chances that you just go have first of all that you're going to catch somebody there asleep or, or just in a spot where you could rob them and then to be driving around I don't know it just seems kind of odd right and the, and the question was was why the sheriff's office did see it as a robbery that that went bad and turned into a murder 
But Flint wasn't known to carry a lot of cash. I mean, why would anyone go out to his chicken farm, like I said, to rob him? What what did they think that they were going to get? The the family does believe he was asleep at the time, like you said. I think it was deeper than that. But did they know that he went down there and fell asleep in his truck? And that, that, I don't know. Or maybe they did just want his truck. Since they did keep it past the time they believe he was killed, was that the motive? They just needed a truck to do something with or whatever. But I'm sure all these questions were spinning around in everyone's mind, in the family and in the investigators. But some tips came in in the fall of that year, just after, just a couple of months later, into Rankin County Sheriff's Office. And they had leads, and they were on the trail. And Simpson County was able to bring in suspects about a bring in a suspect and this suspect gave a confession and he also named two accomplices so in november of 2009 these three mendenhall men were arrested it was 36 year old bryce mills 32 year old roderick gilbert and 25 year old christopher hubbard and they were all three charged with capital murder burglary of a vehicle and grand larceny now they didn't name nothing i read named who was the first one that came in who was the one that gave the confession i have my suspicions based on just the way the articles read and different things that were said but at the preliminary hearing mills and gilbert they both denied having anything to do with it and hubbard was silent and let his attorney speak he was the only one that already had an attorney And as far as anyone knows, Flint didn't even know these guys. He had no acquaintance with them at all. So it's a mystery why they would choose him to rob and and why they would would know that he would be at the chicken farm. I'm I'm really not sure about that. Yeah, I I think they may have been involved because I'm still I mean, I've seen the T V shows where people give false confessions um i have a hard time with that myself but i feel like maybe they the confession might be correct but maybe the motive or something was different like maybe it was a robbery and then maybe it was affair of the heart or something you know uh, something like that in nature but obviously it's just a gut feeling well, the investigators thought that they had the right people and they were building their case. But, you know, capital murder in Mississippi is a death penalty offense. So the state's really got to prove that when you're talking about a death penalty. And the family was just happy. I mean, they thought, you know, they've got the people, they're behind bars, we're going to have a trial. But then everything fell apart. The confession was recanted. The person was no longer going to give testimony about the other two. And the state just thought without that part, they did not have enough evidence to get a conviction for any of these men. So all the charges were dropped and the three men were released. But something was nagging at some of the friends and family. Just like you said, it's like, what what exactly was this? Was this really just a robbery that went bad? Could it be something more? Could he have been murdered by someone he knew? Or maybe those guys did do it, but were they doing it 
on the orders of someone else. I don't have anything to back that up. I don't have right. any kind of evidence. Like, like it's forcing just, a hit or... Right. But it's just no. gut feelings and town rumors that people have gotten um, that a lot of people think there was more to it. Oh, yeah. It's definitely um, the amount of detail that went in to the crime itself as far as cover-up. and It's definitely, I, I think, more involved than a robbery, but... And the questions that I have is, and I didn't get to clarify this with the with the family members because we have kind of lost contact in the last week. I don't know if something's going on. I mean, nothing happened. They were they were glad to talk to me, but I haven't gotten all my answers because for about the past week I haven't had any contact with them. I don't know if something's going on with their internet service or whatever. I feel like we're going to get back in touch, but. But right now, I wonder why Flint's brother was the one that reported him missing instead of his wife. Now, that might not be a big deal because it might have just been that he told her, I'll handle it, I'll go. It's a little odd. But I want to clarify, did she call Flint's brother and tell him he was missing or did he somehow find out another way? That's something I want some clarification on because if the timeline that the police are saying is he was killed on one day and then the next day the truck was set on fire is the next day that he's reported missing so to me that means two nights that this man did not come home and i know my husband you if you do not come home for two nights um if you don't come home for one night there's gonna be um, a lot of questions everybody in your family is going to know. I'm going to uh, be reporting you missing. I'm going to be looking for you. I'm going to be everywhere in this town and everywhere I know that you could possibly be looking for you. So I don't know. And I also want to know is exactly where was this chicken farm? Like you said, they're usually, I mean, it's rural now. Not necessarily. They're not necessarily real isolated. Sometimes they are near houses. Well, yeah, the houses, but not, not a, not a city population where. Right. I I want to know if there was houses, how far his house was, and how far other houses were. Were was it somewhere? Did anyone hear the shots or any of this going on? Because this is more than one bullet. Right. Did anybody hear it? And you know, of course, and in that time of year, if it's August, it's. I don't, I don't know that Mississippi's hunting season is any different than ours. There, it wasn't hunting season, and so I don't know that. Well, a quick spray of the right kind of weapon might not draw too much, but it could be worth checking into. People might have heard something around there. I'm sure that they asked, but I, I, right. I, I didn't read anything saying how rural. His, the farm was right. compared to relation of any kind of houses. Yep. Like they might have got, got a wind of what was happening. My hope is that I can get back in touch with the family members and that we're going to do a part two of this episode in which I'm going to interview them and ask some of these questions that I still have that I want answered. I'm hoping that's going to happen. Yes, that would definitely be nice to get uh, some answers to some of these questions. Yeah, and I'd really love to talk more at length with the family members that are willing to talk. I know they were really hopeful when the new sheriff was elected in 2015 
they were hoping they were going to get a new investigation with new eyes. But then that sheriff said that a lot of the evidence was destroyed. I didn't get any clarification on destroyed how. I don't know if the family even knows how. But it it just seems like that's not too promising if you have a case that's unsolved and then somebody's telling you that most of the evidence is gone. Yeah, that's another thing that's baffling when they lose uh, evidence or gets destroyed or misplaced. It just seems like that would be a high priority to preserve because, um, you know, the, some of these cases get solved decades and decades later and they, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know the volume. I mean, maybe they have... Um, limited space or limited I know sometimes things degrade and um, you can't get the the kind of uh, anal- analysis on it that you could when it was fresh but uh, just that really kind of grinds my gears when I hear hear about evidence being it always makes me have a red flag like that just seems mighty mighty uh, fishy and it's only been ten years with this one. Right. I don't know. That's, I mean, I can understand. Like I said, maybe, maybe the maybe there was flooding. Maybe there was something. I I don't know. But they just said destroyed. That seems seems mighty short of a time to. Um, I think they'd have to elaborate on that a little bit. Destroyed how? Well, that's that's the, one of the questions at the top of of my list of things I want to ask if the family knows anything more right. about that if I do get to interview them for a part two. We can only hope. But if anyone listening to this episode has any information about this case, please call Crime Stoppers or the Simpson County Sheriff's Department, 601-847-2921 or 601 355 T-I-P-S. There is a reward in this case. Thank y'all for listening. Please join us next week for part two of this episode. Visit our website, a southernsleuthpodcast.com to view pictures and articles associated with this case. You can also email us through the website. And you're invited to our A Southern Sleuth Podcast Facebook group. Please leave us comments, share our podcast, subscribe, and hit the like button.